Thanks, Guy. Thank you so much. And as add a very big welcome to you all. It is so, so good to see you. I know I said that last week and it was pretty exciting to be together. Let me just move this brick here. This I trip over it or somebody else trips over it. Sky, can I move your piece? Oh, do you, do you, would you like to take your piece with you? <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave, the, leave the table there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and a very big welcome to all of you guys who are joining us on, on Zoom as, as well. It's so, uh, so good to have you, have you with us. Um, hey, it's summer. You enjoying it? <laughs> it's, a, it's summer in Melbourne. Okay, that's kind of a special, special kind of a summer. But it is so good to, to see you all and to be able to, aren't we thankful to God to be able to meet together again? Do you want to give a big round of applause to God? Isn't he good? I would, but I got a brick. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lord. So much to be thankful for. Well, um, we're in the second of our four Advent services. And um, um, can anyone remind me what our word was last week? Yell it out in a big voice. Hope. Yes. Fantastic. And we talked about um, hope having a pivot point based on belief. The belief, very, very simple, is but God. Whatever situation you're facing at any given time, but God. You might be experiencing difficulties in, in marriage, but God. In your family, but God. In your health, but God. In your relationships, but God. In your work situation, but God. Those two words, but God, that belief forms the foundation or the basis on which everything turns. It's the hinge point. Everything pivots. To bring hope into that situation and and i there was a beautiful word given um some time ago just about uh dedicating ourselves as a church to hope dedicating ourselves to hope and to to ushering in hope into one another's lives and into the lives of the community around us and i i pray as a church that we will keep doing that that we will keep speaking but god into our situations and other people's situations as as well to bring hope to a to a world that often feels rather hopeless. Well, this week we have a new theme, and uh, it's been mentioned a couple of times. But uh, uh, kids, in a big, big voice, can you tell me what the new word is this week? It is. You might need some help from the adults there, huh? <laughs> okay, let's say it together. Our new word this week is peace. Fantastic. How do we spell that? What's the first? What's the first letter? A. P, the next letter, the next one, the next one, C, C, C. That's going to become very important. I'll explain why in a minute. And then the last one, E, fantastic piece. And, and what else have you noticed has changed since last week? Who, who's noticed a few, few additional appearances from a couple of chickens? Did anyone see some chickens? Yeah, 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 chickens, chickens. Anyone see a camel anywhere? We're going to camel over there. Oh, and we've got some wise men. Actually, a lot of wise men around here. I know. And, and what else have we got in the stable there? A cow. Ooh. Mm. That's just for Hazel, my daughter, uh, granddaughter, wherever she is. She loves cows. Um, fantastic. We're going to sign peace up there. And I reckon we can see Mary and Joseph on a donkey as well. Uh, we've got beautiful lights decorating this too. And thank you again to, to everyone who has... Um, help make that 
Is that a possibility? Um, can you imagine that scene? The shepherds. But perhaps they were, you know, um, we quickly recognize the value that, that truckies bring to Australia. Whenever there's a strike or something like that, and the transportation, things are just not getting where they need to get to, we realize how important truckies and transportation are. Uh, but sometimes we don't necessarily view truckies in the best light. And, and that's perhaps how shepherds were viewed back in the day. Uh, they were not necessarily seen as, you know, <laughs> the significant ones of a society, you know, like the the Pharisees who had beautiful gowns and robes and walked around parading themselves. And yet it was to them, and I love this, it was to them that the angel came to bring this wonderful good news of the baby who had been born. And of course, he is joined with a, with a host of angels. Now, I've always pictured them singing in angelic voices and something a little bit like the Hallelujah Chorus, perhaps, that, that uh, uh, carols by candlelight we might experience. but. Um, but the Bible tells us, Luke tells us, that they were praising God. And, and I'm, I'm just picturing an authority, these booming voices declaring glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to whom God's favor rests. That's our, our verse for today. And thank you. Thank you guys for so beautifully reading that in those, those different versions. Glory to God in the highest peace on earth to those on whom God's favor rests. I, I wonder in a sense if, if those two phrases are indeed linked. That as we declare glory to God in the highest, there is peace on earth. That God's favor rests on those who glorify God, who are able to give glory to God in the highest. When we talk about peace, we've got to acknowledge something. In our world today, and this is not new, but there is a false peace, which we can very, very readily be urged to accept. A false peace is, is a peace that says, ah, let's not talk about it. Uh, let's not discuss it. Let's just bury it. Let's just get along. That's a false peace. That's, that's a peace with, without truth, isn't it? But when the Bible declares that Jesus came that we might have peace, it's talking about a real peace, a peace that has Christ, who himself is the very essence of truth, a peace that has Christ in the center of it. It's a little bit like the word peace. C stands for Christ. If you don't have the C in the letter peace, you have P. It's just P. It's you need the letter C for it to really be peace. You need Christ for there to be real peace. You need truth. Christ has to be in the middle of a situation in order to bring, to bring peace. Um, in one of the most, I think, um, greatest moments of irony... Jesus in the Gospels, as he is on trial, Pilate confronts him and he's staring Jesus face to face and he says, well, what is truth? And he is looking at the very essence of truth. Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth and, and the life. On the way to truth, Jesus often upset a lot of tables. 
to have an encounter with Jesus would have been very, very confronting, but it was always to bring about a good result. But peace can sometimes come at a cost. It means that we have to confront truth. Perhaps um, one of the classic examples of this is in Luke chapter 8. You know the story well. It's about a, a, a raging storm and Jesus and the disciples are heading across a lake. A storm comes up. These are seasoned fishermen. But the storm is so, so great that they are fearing for their very lives. Jesus is asleep in the, in the boat, remarkably, and the disciples are panicking. They, they really believe they're going to die. And finally, they wake Jesus up from his slumber. And they say, Master, Master, what, how can you sleep? We're going to die. And he gets up and he rebukes the storm. He speaks calm to the wind and to the waves. It all settles down. And he says to his disciples, your faith is so small. Why? What was the problem? What did the disciples do wrong? Well, it took them so long to, to wake Jesus up from his slumber. They should have known that Jesus was a perfect beast. He was asleep. They had to confront the truth about their situation. A seasoned fisherman used to the, to the weather conditions and what was happening on the lake at that moment they had to confront the situation and they had to agree, we are out of control. We can't help ourselves unless there is a miraculous intervention here, we are all lost. And then they had to confront the truth about who Jesus is. They had to confront the truth that Jesus has authority. They awoke Jesus. He he proved that authority. He spoke peace over the storm, and immediately it was calm. And then they had to trust him, which meant they had to give the situation over to Jesus. And it meant that they had to let go. They had to, they had to surrender the situation to Jesus. There was the truth about this situation, the truth about who Jesus is, and trusting him in that moment, three T's, that led to their eventual peace. How do you know when you've trusted Jesus? Well, in Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, there's a beautiful verse which has brought great comfort to Christians through Throughout the ages, um, you might be familiar with it. Don't worry about anything, says the NLT. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know that verse, all those verses? They're precious, aren't they? But there is a there is a sense in which as we, as we present our needs through prayers and petitions with thanksgiving, as we present our needs to, to God, we are giving them over to him. And there is a letting go that is a part of that, a surrendering that, a, a trusting him with that particular need. And then there is a with thanksgiving, 
like the antidote to worry. Thanksgiving is acknowledging that we have actually let go of that particular need, that, that we have surrendered it, that we are now indebted to that person for, for taking it off us. Uh, let me give you an example. Quite frankly, this brick is getting heavy. Um, I, I, I wonder, uh, uh, John Davies, would, would you mind coming and, and taking this brick off me and putting it somewhere safe so that nobody trips over it? So I'm going to present my brick, which is hurting my arm by now, to John. I'm giving it to him. I'm surrendering it. And thank you, John. I'm acknowledging John now has the brick. And he's going to do something safe, like pop it under his chair or something, where I'm sure no one will, will trip on it. We give something over, we let go of it, and we say, thank you. I'm indebted to John now for taking that brick from me. It's gone. I've got to tell you, that feels a lot better. That feels a lot, lot better. Ah, getting a little bit numb. Um, the path to peace is to acknowledge the truth about our situation. In that case, my arm was getting a little bit sore. I've been holding that brick for a few minutes. Acknowledge that there was somebody who could take that from me and then thanking them for doing so. I wonder what your situation is today that you need to experience the peace of Jesus Christ in. Well, what, what is it for you? Because those same three T's, those same three little steps can make the world of difference. The first one is to acknowledge the truth about your situation. What is it about your situation that you need to acknowledge that you no longer have control over and that, that you need the intervention, the miraculous intervention of God? What is the truth about Jesus that is going to bring hope into that situation. And now having surrendered that to him, allowing him to take that from you, trust him with it. Trust him with it by uttering the words, thank you. Thank you. They're lovely releasing words. You are acknowledging now when you say thank you that Jesus has that situation. He now has it. You've given it over to him. Our verse said, peace to all those on whom God's favor rests. Interesting, interesting little clause there, isn't it? Um, or another version on whom God is pleased. It's like an echo, isn't it, of the words pronounced by the Father over the Son Jesus at his baptism. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. My favor rests upon him. How can we experience the favor of God? You would have to, like Jesus, be sinless, wouldn't you? You would have to, you would have, to have lived the perfect life. And, and who has done such a thing? Who has ever done that? How can we have the favor of God upon us? How can we have the pleasure of God upon us? Well, let's apply our T's again. 
Firstly, acknowledge the truth about our situation. The truth is that everyone, everyone has sinned. Everyone has failed God. Nobody has lived the perfect life. The person who thinks they are, well, that's foolish thinking. You're just kidding yourself. Nobody has lived, except for Jesus Christ, a perfect life. That's our situation. We've all, we've all sinned. That's the truth about our situation. What's the truth about Jesus? The truth about Jesus is that he died on a cross to take your sin upon himself. And the punishment that each of us deserve upon ourselves. That's the truth about Jesus. And then he raised, was raised from the dead. And in the same way, for all those whom he takes their sin from them, he also has promised to raise us from the dead as well. That's the truth about Jesus. His body was broken for you and for me. His blood was shed for you and for me. And we can trust him with it. When we share communion together, um, it's called many things. The Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist. It's a table of thanksgiving. It really is thanksgiving. It's, it's the ultimate act of, of giving thanks to Christ Jesus for his atonement, for his work on the cross, for his taking your sin and mine and nailing it to that cross forevermore. That we can trust him with our sin. Um, he is not being crucified today. He was crucified in the past. He has died for your sin. And for all those who are in Christ, you have died with him in the past. It's done. It is finished. And so when we, when we share communion, as we're going to do now, this is an act of thanksgiving. We've acknowledged the truth about our situation. We're lost without Jesus. We've acknowledged the truth about Jesus. He is able to cleanse us from all sin. And as we take these two elements, we are saying, thank you. We are saying, thank you, Jesus. And trusting him. Trusting him so that the peace which passes all understanding might bring you comfort that it might guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, that there would be rest for your soul. Let's, let's share these elements now. Would you like to firstly take the bread? And as you eat it, Remember the body of Christ, which was broken for you. Let's eat together now.
Would you like to stand together and we'll, we'll drink together? Our simple confession this morning is, thank you, Jesus. Would you all like to say that together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's drink. do want to thank you, Jesus, that you have brought peace to a very troubled world, peace to us and our troubled lives, peace to our troubles, the big ones and the little ones, you care about them all, peace to troubled souls where storms rage because of our sin. Through the cross, peace is ours, real, here, now. We thank you, Jesus. We take that burden of sin and we we place it in your hands. We place it at the foot of that cross. We thank you. You have taken care of it for us. It is no longer ours. We surrender it to us. We stop trying to control the destiny of our lives. There's nothing we can do. We surrender to you. You are enough. Your blood is sufficient to cover our sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In your name, with confidence, we can say the pleasure and the favor and the blessing of our heavenly father rests upon us receive that now receive the blessing of the father the favor of the father the pleasure of the father which is yours through jesus for he has pronounced peace on earth for all those on whom the Father's favor rests. For those who can utter the words, glory to God in the highest. And we do glorify you, Father. All the Lord's people said, Amen.